Blog Talk Radio. Got to learn that auction cry. Got to make my mark and be an auctioneer. 
When I find all the bit and I'll put it on a thirty billion, give me thirty, make it thirty bits of bomb, thirty dollar will you give me thirty hood, bit of thirty dollar bid. Thirty dollar bid and I'll thirty five will you give me thirty five to make it thirty five a bit of thirty five who would have bid it at a thirty five dollar bill? Tell your story, son. Went to school there, grew a man who played it cool. He came back home a full-fledged auctioneer. Then the people came from miles around just to hear him make that rhythmic sound that filled their hearts with such a happy cheer. His fame spread out from shore to shore. He had all he could do and more. Had to buy a plane to get around. Now he's the top in all the land. Let Paul give that man a hand. He's the best of all the auctioneers. Forty-five dollar bid and all the fifty dollar fifty will give me fifty make a fifty bid and all the fifty dollar will give me fifty hood bid a fifty dollar bill. Fifty dollar bid and all fifty-five will give me fifty-five to make it a fifty-five bid a fifty-five is sold at home for a fifty dollar bill. Hey, well all right, you're open the gate and let 'em out and walk 'em boy. Here we come a lot number twenty-nine in. What are we gonna give for? I'm at twenty-five to get thirty now. Five for a bid to five and all the four now. Five fifty-five, sixty-five, seventy-five, eighty-five, You suppose you could talk that fast? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I needed that. Hey, George, you ever want to Yo. be an auctioneer? Uh, no, Neil. I, I, you know, I don't think I could speak that quickly. You know. You're right. Quickly, sure you though, could. Don't you? <laughs> All you have to do is be an international controller. You know, I always wanted to be an auctioneer, and then I became one. And uh, (laughs) in Florida, I'm serious, in Florida, all real estate brokers are are automatically auctioneers. We have the authority given by the state of Florida to auction only property, not automobiles and estate jewelry and things like that, but only property. And I've been so tempted – uh, in my career as as a realtor to uh, to do an auction, but I never got the courage. I don't think I could. Uh, but now auctioneers don't talk that fast, you know, not as fast as one of the world-famous Speedy Riggs who used to do uh, Lucky Strikes and uh, American Tobacco Company. And uh, But uh, anyhow, uh, you heard George Jen. He's up in New York. Mike. Uh, Mike Scott is up there along with him on the other side, I guess, of Long Island, somewhere around there close to each other. And uh, Jim Holder there in Georgia. Hey, guys, how y'all doing? Doing mighty fine. Good. A little on the chilly side here today. Well, uh, yeah, it's it's beautiful here. It's 80 degrees, Mike. Y'all to come uh, on down. <laughs> well, it's almost 80 in the house. <laughs> George has been threatening to come to Florida. <laughs> No, no, I'm, uh, as soon as I sell my place, I'm coming down there to look around, Neil. Definitely All right, gonna... I'll open the door for you. <laughs> All right, thank you. I, I'll save you a real estate commission. How does that sound if you if you have to use a realtor? Well, yeah, but the seller pays the real estate, not the buyer, right? Well, it doesn't say I can't buy you some Venetian blinds or blinds and refrigerator for your house, <laughs> does it? <laughs> no, I guess not. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I do for my daughter. Every time she sells or either buys, she calls me, hey, Dad, we're moving to New Orleans. Can you uh, call a realtor there and tell them we're coming and contact us? And she knows that when I get my referral fee, I'll give it to her so she can 
put some furniture in her new house. It works pretty good. Very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hope the Florida Real Estate Commission is not listening to this show. <laughs> they might be. You never know. <laughs> you never know. You're right. Well, anyhow, I thought we'd do a little March Madness today. And uh, along with the songs you just heard, Auctioneer, we have a few thoughts about being an auctioneer like you just heard mine. But uh, we've got some great novelty songs. We did it a long time ago, maybe six, seven years ago, on our nightly EAL radio show and had a lot of fun with it. And uh, so I've chosen a few songs that it, uh, it, they, a couple of them are not politically correct. But uh, like I was uh, telling Jim off air, I don't give a damn anymore. Uh, you know, they can put me in club fed and I'll get the salad bar and, and get some courses from college and all that stuff. But uh, at any rate, got some, got some pretty good songs here. And uh, if you guys want to make comments for and after the song, uh, be my uh, be my guest. And uh, there's there's some pretty good ones. Now, to start things off, and I'm not going to give you the full blast of these novelty songs, but... Think about what you were doing when you heard this song. I guess you would call it a song, and I guess you would call him a singer. But I never did. See what you guys think. It is my show in England. Very, very good, isn't it? Two, Radio One Club. Now, Tiny Jim! You never thought you'd hear you'd hear that again. Yeah. I never did. Yeah, I remember that was Tiny Tim, right? Tiny Tim. Yeah. yeah. Tiny About Tim. Got married live on television. That's right. Sometime That's right. In his, he did. Sometime in the early '60s, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was Somewhere the late '50s and early '60s. He actually, yeah. I think he was flying through the tulips rather than tiptoeing through them. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still alive? Do you know? I don't know. I, I don't know. Don't know. I'll have to do some know. obit surfing. <laughs> Find out. <laughs> obit surfing. Uh, I, I, think that, I, I think I first saw him on the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah. And yeah, uh, my my first impression was, what the heck is this all about? You know. Yeah. Well, now yeah. you know. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> uh, remember his girlfriend missed somebody. I forgot her name. Uh, help me out, Mike. You know all this. He called her Miss. Uh... Oh, golly. And he married her. I didn't her, pay much too. attention to Tiny Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that long hair well, and crooked nose. <laughs> well, we, we, we had a guy. It was ukulele at, or whatever he had. Yeah, 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 ukulele. That's right. We, we had a guy at uh, U.S. Air who was a rep. And somebody nicknamed him Tiny Tim, and it stuck with him for the whole time. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, Captain Tiny Tim. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, yeah, that, well, that could be embarrassing. Well, here's another one here. I thought uh, I, I won't give you the full four minutes, probably about a minute of it. But anyhow, see what you think. This is one of these politically incorrect songs. 
so they might shut me down. You hear this one? Well, Tiny Tim was uh, years ahead of his time, right? Yeah, here he is. Not here. Tim. <laughs> What's the name of this one? Ahab the Arab. Hey, got it. Nailed <laughs> <laughs> it. Let me tell you about it. Got a familiar ring when I worked over there. They had emeralds and rubies just dripping off of him. Had a ring on every finger of his hand. He wore a big old turban wrapped around his head, scimitar by his side. And every evening about midnight, he'd jump on his camel named Clyde and ride silently through the night to the Sultan's tent, where he'd secretly meet with Fatima of the Seven Veils, swinging his grade-A number one U.S. choice government inspected dancing the Sultan's whole harem, because him and her had a thing going here, and they'd been carrying on for some time now behind the Sultan's back, and you could hear him talk to his camel as he rode out across the dunes, his voice would cut through the still night desert air, and he'd say, which is there make for whoa baby and Clyde say well he brought that camel to a screeching halt in the rear of Fatima's tent jumped off Clyde snuck around the corner into the tent he went there he saw Fatima Laying on a zebra skin rug With rings on her fingers and bells on her toes And a bone in her nose, ho, ho <laughs> There she was, friends Lying there in all her radiant beauty Eating on a raisin, grape, apricot, pomegranate Bowl of chitlins, two bananas, three candy bars <laughs> Sipping on an ice cold Coca-Cola Listening to her transistor And singing, does your chewing gum lose its flavor? Ahab walked up to her, looked down into her eyes, and tenderly he said, Which is Arabic for, let's twist again like we did last summer, baby. <laughs> she looked up at him off the rug, flapped him big wide lashes, and she said, <laughs> Walked in. Ahab knew that this was the end. Him and Fatima were caught by surprise, and the Sultan had fire flashing out of his eyes. Well, the Sultan charged that Ahab, intending to make a dent in his head. But he fled with Fatima, and out of the tent they went. They jumped on Clyde, started to ride, cutting out across the sand with the Sultan's whole army in hot pursuit. On and on the ramp. Well, to make a long story short, they got away because there wasn't no animal alive what could keep up with Clyde once he got started. Because he was the fastest steed on the whole desert, baby. Anyway, they made it across the border where Ahab hocked all his rubies and emeralds and bought him a swinging little split level pad and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> and that story about Ahab, the Arab. 
That reminds me of a pilot. Pilot had a similar happening like that. <laughs> oh golly! I just looked up uh, Tiny Tim. Here. He he was born in uh, April in '32, and he died in November of '96. And his real mm-hmm. name was Herbert Butros. I don't know if, how we that probably falls into play. Uh, Corari <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh God! Strange. Yeah. yeah. You must have spun well, in. You know, uh, March Madness, uh, there's a couple of songs here that, uh, one, that uh, I think they ought to make a song out of uh, the, the number one seed in the NCAA basketball in the bracket. Do you know who number one seed is? Mm, I don't keep up with that too much. I don't know. Uh, I don't either. I, just, either. I hated it when I was in school, and I still do. <laughs> well, Gonzaga University, Gonzaga. Now, they ought to make a song out of that name Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, Where'd you, you know go to school? I, oh, I went to Gonzaga. <laughs> you know, where you, know, you know any background on that on the name? Where did it come from? I I do. Can you tell me? Let me see if you're right. No, no, I don't. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, I looked it up. I wanted to make sure I knew it was founded in 1887, so it's been around a little while. And got to be an Indian in there somewhere. No, it was named after a 16th century saint, and the saint Mm. was Alexius Gonzaga. Now, Mm. for the next part of the trivia question, where is Gonzaga University? Anyone know? <laughs> I guess we have to ask Peter. Uh, I know where. I know where it is, Neil. Where? It, it's in Gonzaga, Illinois. I don't know. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> Timbuktu. <laughs> Good guess, George. But you're wrong. It's in Spokane, Washington. Spokane, Washington. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And guess oh, what yeah. they teach there? Uh, is is it a Catholic school? Yeah, it's Catholic school. But guess what they teach there? Basket weaving. I could say something. Basketball. But I don't want to be. Poli- <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be politically incorrect. <laughs> well, basketball, because it seems like they are always in the top seat of uh, basketball when it comes to the uh, March Madness, and then you know for the big dance and all that stuff that they name these basketball tournaments when it comes down to the uh, final four. and um, But the brackets, uh, I never understood how they paired the brackets. But Gonzaga is always in the top ten, it seems like. So they must they must play basketball there. <laughs> well, Spokane, we had we had talked about, uh, if, I don't know if any of you guys have been in there before, but I went in a nope. couple times and – and uh, the Air Force Base and the air, regular airport are, uh, are identical. It's one of those places that you can line up on the on the Air Force Base and thinking you're landing in a civilian place like El Paso. Yeah. Like that. What's the <laughs> name of the Air yourself. Force Base, Mike? I don't even remember it now. It's been so long. Isn't it white? It might be. White. I it was back in the white. 80s sometime. Where's Moses Lake? Isn't there an Air Force Base there? Sounds familiar. I know well, it's that's uh, in Nevada, isn't it? Well, yeah. I remember going out to uh, Portland and Seattle, 
you go out there toward uh, Moses Lake. Uh, I think it's out there somewhere. And uh, what's the name of that other crazy town out there that I always thought was a neat, neat sound sounding name? But at any rate, that's uh, Gonzaga. That's all I know about Gonzaga. <laughs> uh, and I got a song that uh, could easily you can insert the title of Gonzaga in uh, the title of this song. And uh, this is it right here. Thank you very much. We would like to continue here with a tune that we've had little or no success with. <laughs> and I think we can keep up our record on this one. <laughs> this was recorded on a long playing cylinder many years ago. <laughs> You look clean, but you laugh dirty. <laughs> this is called the Battle of Cucamonga. Well, in 1959, we took a little hike. But our scout master down the lake, and eager night. We took a little pizza, and we took some sauerkraut. March along together till we seen the Girl Scouts. We're the boys in Camp Cucamonga. Our mother sent us here for to study nature's ways. We learn to make sparks by rubbing sticks together. If we catch some girls, then we'll set the woods ablaze. Well, we creeped up to the water and we seen the girls swimming. They must have been a hundred of them, pretty young women. They looked so and even birds forgot to sing. They laid down the poison oak and didn't say a thing. We're the boys in Camp Cucamonga. Our mother sent us here for to study nature's ways. We learn to make sparks by rubbing sticks together. And if we catch some girls, it will set the woods ablaze. Well, the counselors said we could take them by surprise if we didn't say a word till we looked them in the eyes. We kept real still and we had our eyes aglued. See how they were dressed, they were swimming in the well. <laughs> They ran so fast even we couldn't catch them From Lake Anika Nighton all the way to Buffalo Well, we marched around till everyone was pooped Rested for a minute and our forces we regrouped Then we seen the girls behind some evergreens Captured by a company of the United States Marines We're the boys in Camp Cucamonga Our mother sent us here first to study nature's ways We learned to make sparks by rubbing girls' sticks You said rubbing girls together I know what I'm saying you rub what you like together. <laughs> rub and girls together. If we catch some sticks, then we'll set the woods ablaze. Do you remember the two that sang that song? I don't, myself. I don't either. George? Me neither. The, the other version right. of... Uh, sounded like that. It was I think Jimmy Horton or Johnny Horton or something like that? Uh, he, he Homer and Jethro. Homer and Jethro. Oh, Homer and Jethro. Yeah. Homer and Jethro. Now you, you, I'm surprised you guys up in New York even heard of Homer and Jethro. <laughs> well, I heard that song being played up here at the time. It did. He still has yeah, the tune. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's amazing. 
cold. Did you guys, did, did you guys uh, enjoy these novelty songs when they came out with them? Uh, you know, back in those days, you hear you heard the crooners like uh, like who Elvis and, and well, he might not necessarily a crooner, but I guess he was Frank Sinatra and all those guys. Oh, Johnny Ray crooner. <laughs> Cry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I like uh, I like the song um, this next song and and. Um, uh, I, t- I asked uh, Jim Holder if he remembered uh, Captain Bill Abraham, and uh, I don't know, George, if you knew him or not. No, I did before not. You, before your time. But Bill was undoubtedly one of the greatest guys to fly with, and uh, he he mumbled things. He he didn't talk loud. Do you recall that, Jim? No, it's a fact. <laughs> and and you had to lean all the way yeah. yeah, you always had to lean all the way, especially in the Electra. And when he was flying a left seat and, and he was telling a joke or something, you had to lean across that wide console between the two of you, you know. The Electra mm-hmm. had probably one of the widest center consoles of any airplane that ever flew, I believe. Was ahead of the time for social you, distancing. You, you could play ping pong on that damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> and Bill would start telling a joke, and and you you wanted to you wanted to hear it all the way to the end so you could laugh, you know. But he'd he'd say it so softly that um, he would really strain to hear it. I don't know if you remember the joke that he used to tell, and it comes up to the next song we've got. But at any rate, he said, Neil. Uh, and I forgot who the first officer was. I was flying the back seat, so I was a little bit closer to him. But he said, did you ever hear the Tarzan joke? Jim, did you ever hear that Tarzan joke? I may have. Refresh my memory. Well, I, I've told it a couple of times on the radio show. But anyhow, it goes like this. He said old Tarzan was out in the jungle working, putting in a full day. And at the end of the, at the end of the day, he comes swinging in. <laughs> Anyhow, Jane heard the sound of Tarzan making his way back to the deck of the tree hut, and uh, he she started making his martini. And when he come across the deck, she had it there and handed it to him. And uh, he took it, swagged it down, one one swallow. And he gave her the glass. And he said, Jane, fix Tarzan another martini. So she goes and fix another martini and brings it back, and he does the same thing, just swallows it in one gulp, olives and all. And he hands her the glass and says, Jane, Tarzan want another martini. And Jane says, Tarzan, I've never known you to drink three martinis. And he said, and, and Bill Abraham's voice got lighter and lighter. Jane, it's a friggin' jungle out there. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like so Johnny Weissmuller sw- giving the cries there. Yeah, here he is again, going back. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> well, you and, know, Bill, Bill, when he was a council chairman and he was up there, Council 7, pretty big council, he's up there and didn't use a mic or anything, and nobody after the first two rows used what he said. We saw, we said, what did he say? What did he say up there? You know, he's the council chairman running. You know, what did he say? What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? Oh, God, it was fun flying with that guy. He really was It great. sure was. It sure yeah. was. I don't know, George, you have many up there, up there. Well, you've already told a couple of your favorite ones that you used to fly with up there in New York. Oh, yeah, we had a few, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever fly with Johnny Payne, George? No, I did not. I think uh, he was on he was on a DC-8, I believe, when yeah. – uh, when I got hired on, I was on the 727, and uh, then the company got rid of the DC-8s, and I believe that he retired uh, just a short time <laughs> before that. But I certainly heard about him, you know. Well, I don't yeah, know well, whether you know. You... Go ahead, Jim. Well, I got a. I can't tell it. That's not not my story. But uh, Jay, oh, what's his name? Jay, the old flight engineer guy, and uh, he's loved to tell a story about flying the 747. Landed at Miami in a rainstorm, just just a horrible storm coming down. Had every seat full on the airplane, and and Johnny Payne was signing it. And oh, what the hell is Jay's last name? You know who I'm Allen. talking about? Jay, Jay Allen. Jay Allen, right? Cool. He yeah. could tell a story, man. But anyhow, he's telling the story, and he said that thing started hydroplaning with about three thousand feet to go, landing to the west. And he said Johnny kept doing this and doing that with the brakes, the speed brakes, the engine reverse, doing everything. And he said they had about 300 feet to go, and it was still going. And he leaned over to Jay and said, this whore ain't going to stop. And he said it was right. They went right out into the mud, <laughs> throwing mud everywhere, you know. But he said oh, Johnny Payne very candidly told Jay Allen, he said, this whore ain't going to stop. <laughs> Well, I never he, flew he, with uh, I never flew with Johnny Payne though, but uh, I heard he was a character. Yeah, yeah. George. Well, you know, I believe if uh, if what I heard was correct, when when he was, I think he was flying a P fifty one. I think he was in the uh, the Air Corps. He flew then. the hump. Yeah, and, but although that wouldn't have that would have been a C forty six or a C forty seven then, but right. Yeah, but. Mm-hmm. Um, he, somehow, some way, he was also he was checked out on. A, I think it was a P fifty one. Don't hold me to that. But he mm-hmm. disappeared for like a week, and they thought he was dead. Do you, do you remember that story, Neil? No, I don't. I don't. I just first. No, I've never heard it. it. Well, well, he 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 landed at some prince's place out there, you know, in, in eastern Eastern Europe somewhere, and the guy invited him to stay, and he stayed for a week. <laughs> and uh, nobody knew where he was, but uh, that's a true story. I heard that from a number of guys at the airline, you know. Oh yeah. my golly! Didn't he? Didn't he have a? He had a pitch, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. What? What? What did he have? A pitch uh, special. Uh, pitch special. Well, yeah. maybe maybe it was that then. I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, he, he he just disappeared. Everybody thought he was dead. You know? We uh, we told a story on the uh, uh, Reaper Radio Hour when we were doing that series back uh, a year or so ago. <clears throat> and uh, remember how big Johnny Payne was. He was the Paul Bunyan of Eastern <laughs> Captain mm-hmm. 
Captain Bunyan, and uh, there was a scene that uh, one of the military guys uh, got in the face of one of the Eastern guys, uh, and Johnny moved over toward him and and stood in front of the military guy and and, and uh, stood him down, and the military guy was looking way up at him. Johnny was a big guy, and his hands I remember. Uh, I never met the guy, but I remember seeing him. I guess it was at one of the Alpha meetings. But I'll mm. never forget the size of his hands. They were about the size of a pit special. <laughs> 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 two of them, two wings. And, uh, but he was a big guy. God, Johnny Payne. Interesting people. Well, the one that jo- that I was thinking about, the uh, Bill Abraham joke, here's that song that I associated with that one. I crashed in the jungle while trying to keep a date with my little girl who was uh, back in the state. I was stranded in the jungle, uh, afraid alone, trying to figure a way to get a message back home. But I was out of nose that the wreckage of my plane had been picked up and spotted and my girl in love was slain. And meanwhile, back in the States... Back in the jungle. The boys in the jungle had me on the run when something heavy hit me like an atomic bomb. When I woke up and my head started to clear, I had a strange feeling I was with cooking gear. I smelled something cooking and I looked to see. That's when I found out they was uh, cooking me. Meanwhile, back in the States... Anyhow, that song brought back the memory of 
Bill Abraham's Tarzan joke. Mm-hmm. Good one. Definitely <laughs> remember that one. There's a lot of a lot of different versions we came up with on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, they got not lost for out, airtime, I think. though. Yeah. <laughs> we got another caller. I don't know whether it might be. Is Carrie listening, Jim? Mm, She better not be. She's cutting grass. (laughs) Oh, boy, you got her trained. (laughs) That's when you get off the phone before you had to get the mower started for her, right? (laughs) She knows how to crank it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I like the word uh, crunk. That's a good southern word for crank. And I used to have a an office there, Brown Bridge Road up at Lake Lanier, and I had this young young kid that used to work for me and and he had um a, a birth defect, but he was the funniest guy and he would always say I I I, I would ask him I, uh, Winford, you're you're late today again. He said, "Well, I couldn't get my car crunk." Couldn't get the car crunk. <laughs> <laughs> that's southern, southern. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh golly. Well, <clears throat> now this next one is this next one is going to be. I'm going to dedicate it to Jim Holder because he's going to tell us a little oh. history about it. So here it is, uh, Jim. The one I, I was holding back for you. So here it goes. Now, try to visualize this song as it's being sung by Mr. Ray Stevens. I think it's going to play. Maybe not. Well, when I was a kid, I'd take a trip every summer down to Mississippi, visit my granny and her antebellum work. I'd run barefooted all day long, climbing trees free as song. One day, I happened to catch myself a squirrel. Well, I stuffed him down in an old shoebox and punched a couple holes in the top. When Sunday came, I snuck him into church. I was sitting way back in the very last pew, showing him to my good buddy Hugh. When that squirrel got loose, went totally berserk. What happened next is hard to tell. Some thought it was heaven, some thought it was hell. But the fact that something was among us was plain to see. As the choir sang, I surrender all, the squirrel ran up Harv Newland's coveralls. And Harv leaped to his feet and said, something's got a hold on me. Yeah! The day the squirrel went berserk in the first self-righteous church. In that sleepy little town of Pasadena, it was a fight for survival that broke out in revival. They were jumping the pews and shouting, hallelujah. Well, Harv hit the aisle dancing and screaming. Some thought he had religion, others thought he had a demon. And Harv thought he had a weed eater loose and screws the moon. <laughs> he fell to his knees to plead and beg, and that squirrel ran out of his breeches leg, unobserved, to the other side of the room. All the way down to the Amen pew, where sat Sister Bertha better than you, who's been watching all the commotion with sadistic glee. <laughs> Should have seen that look in her eyes when that squirrel jumped her garters and crossed her thighs. She jumped to her feet and said, Lord, have mercy on me. But that squirrel made laps inside her dress. She began to cry and 
then to confess the sins and make a sailor blush with shame. <laughs> she told of gossip and church dissension, but the thing that got the most attention is when she talked about her love life. And then she started naming names the day the squirrel went berserk in the first self-righteous church in that sleepy little town of Pascagoula. It was a fight for survival that broke out in revival. They were jumping pews and shouting, Seven deacons and the pastor got saved, and $25,000 was raised, and 50 volunteered for missions in the Congo on the spot. <laughs> and even without an invitation, there were at least 500 rededications, and we all got rebaptized whether we needed it or not. Now you've heard the Bible story, I guess, how he parted the waters for Moses to pass all the miracles God has wrought in this old world. The one I'll remember till my dying day is how he put that church back on the narrow way with a half-crazed Mississippi squirrel. The day the squirrel went berserk in the first self-righteous church in that sleepy little town of Pascagoula. It was a fight for survival that broke out in revival. They were jumping pews and shouting hallelujah. The day the squirrel went berserk in the first Uh, Jim, you know you know a few things about Pascagoula, right? I sure do, because my first ex-wife and I got married in Pascagoula, and I have a <laughs> feeling that we got married in that very church. <laughs> <laughs> where so was the small, squirrel? Because there wasn't too many churches down there, you know, and uh, <laughs> even though it's in the Bible Belt. But uh, I believe I saw the album cover, and I believe that's the church that we got married in. <laughs> Now, Carrie Sue is not close by, is she? <laughs> no, 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 she's not. She's out in the yard somewhere. Yeah, mowing the yard. How we got a how we got a squirrel in the box to begin with? Yeah, try try getting a squirrel in the box. I mean, that's what my, how my grandfather used to get rid of me most of the time when I'd be a pain in his butt. He used to tell me to get a salt shaker and you you put salt on it on a squirrel's tail and you can catch him, you know. Yeah. So that well, that did that run him out of salt. Get rid get rid of me for a while. Yeah. If you ever caught a live squirrel grown up, uh, you gonna you you kind of figure out some way to get rid of him in a hurry. Believe me. Yeah. For sure. You know when uh, Larry and I, <clears throat> I was uh, in college, we went out west out to uh, uh, Eureka, and uh, I had a job out there in the lumber industry, and we stopped by. The uh, Crater Lake. Any of you guys been to Crater Lake? Not a, over no, it. I that's, yeah, <laughs> over it. Yeah, but that's the most beautiful place that you'll ever see, and the water is the most blue. This most mm-hmm. blue, beautiful, beautiful, and of course it was formed by a volcano. But I remember these little. Um, what do you call those little rodent-type ground squirrels? Ground. It's not a ground. Maybe it's little Pretty mouse dog. type thing. Yeah, it looks like that. Prairie dog. But they're all over Crater's Lakes, and I thought it was so cute. They're about the size of your fist. And uh, so I had a cowboy hat going through. We all stopped at a little hardware store and bought some cowboy-like hats, and I had this straw cowboy hat. And uh, I snuck up on this sucker. He was on the wall. 
there that uh, that you you couldn't go beyond that point, and uh, he was just inviting us to come over. And I threw my hat on top of that sucker, and it wasn't but about one minute before he was out and out and about. <laughs> he was gone, and I looked on the other side of my hat, and there was a hole. That thing had mm, chewed right through yeah. that hat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like my dad had a saying, not a saying, but he, he used to just, if you had a difficult, uh, something you had to do that was difficult, he says, when was the last time you tried to put a wildcat in a paper bag? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyhow. All right, what's, what you guys been up to? Let's talk about what's happening. Uh, George, let's start with you. What's going on in your area? Oh, uh, well, you know, the weather hasn't been so good, although last week it was nice, and everybody thought that, well, winter's over, but unfortunately that wasn't the case. But, uh, no, I've been working uh, on a new book. Actually, I have two books, and uh, so that, that that keeps me pretty busy, you know. Cause, about uh, how many, if I, if I, I'm sorry. About how, many pages, how about how many pages can you do a day or a week or how many you <laughs> I know it took eight years to do one book. I think you told me. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's not a matter of how many pages you do. I remember before I first started writing a book, they said, if you can do one page every day, you're finished in a year. But, um, you know, you, you're never quite happy with what you have. So I usually go, I'm, I've completed the new book, but I have it because every day when I, whenever I have some time. I go in and, you know, mess up a few pages uh, every day. Then I have to go back and correct them the following day. So it's it's tough call. It's tough to say, you know. But that's – I started back at the gym again, which is nice, you know, after a year. And uh, I pulled the hamstring muscle the last week after a week, but it's good enough where I can go back now and, and work out again. So – that usually takes me like an hour, an hour and a half every day also. Well, I got one question I want to ask you, a writer's secret, uh, if you don't mind revealing secrets. But I often wondered how you come up with naming characters in a novel. How do you do it, George? <laughs> well, I usually what I do is um, – that's, that's a great question, Neil – because there's always a little bit of the author in the novel, okay? So, or maybe a lot of the author in the novel. So when I have a character in, in, in a novel where it's a certain, like in the novel that you read, there, was a, um, there were two detectives in there. Well, one, one of the uh, detectives I named after a former neighbor of mine who was an NYPD detective, and the other one, that, well, that was made up uh, except for the last name, which was the name of a, a neighbor I used to have, a woman who lived close to my home. But other than that, you know, I mean, you know, usually somebody that's close to the character that you're creating, you know, uh, job-wise or however you're creating them or for whatever reason, that's usually the last name that you use. Now, some, some authors like Nelson DeMille, he uses people that he knows, and he gives them, if you ever read any of DeMille's books, he gives them credit at the end of the book. 
thank you for letting me use your name, etc. Okay. Well, you know, names like Sam Spade and uh, Peter Gunn, you always think that you want a name, especially for a detective or a crime novel, that you wanted uh, a name like that that would uh, create mystique and mysterious and, uh, you know, that type of thing. So I just wondered, do you go to the uh, white page? There ain't no more white pages around anymore, but pick just at random pick out names. And, uh, no, that I don't do. Um, no, I, I name it. See, you have the character, uh, at least I do, when I write the book, I have a picture of the character in my mind, you know, a, a physical picture. So I try to fit that that character with that picture. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Now, we've learned some secrets from a writer and uh uh, Mike, what's uh, what's your excuse? What what's been happening there with you? Well, not too much. Like George said, with the lockup and all that, I finally got out of the house here. A few nice days that we had, and we had our first uh, meeting out at the uh, at our airport of the uh, for uh, 2021. And of course, there's nothing on the per se on the schedule except uh, for private get-togethers because it's not open to the public because of the COVID thing. And uh, I went to a wine and, cheese, a wine and cheese. We usually do that on a Wednesday night. We get together in one of the hangars, and, uh, and the same hangar usually. And they got, a, uh, they got a Yak 12 project they've been working on out there in one of the hangars, and I've been doing a lot of, a lot of tin work on that airplane for on and off nine years. But it's been a long winter, so... Uh, out there uh, getting ready to do some more banging on some cowlings and some, some doors for that. They just hung a new engine on it. So they're getting ready to run that. And if it if they do get it flying this year, when they do get it flying, which they will, eventually it's going to be the only Yak-12 uh, wow. flying in the United States. There's two other ones around in the world, but uh, the uh, this would be the only one in the States. It's when kind was of that an built? old... Uh, it was built around uh, 53, 54, depending on uh, you know which 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 model you have. This yeah. one I think was a 54, and it's uh, it's been in progress, like I said, about about nine years, and everything's pretty much done on it, uh, except final touches, and uh, they're hoping to get it airborne this summer. And well, you know, I don't. With it. Uh, it might have been you or George that sent me. That fellow that uh, after he retired, he he built a one third scale B seventeen. Who sent me that? Was that you, Mike? Oh yeah, that that's been going around. I, I think George mm-hmm. might have sent it to you. Yeah, I, I he sent, sent it to me. Too. Yeah, that I think I sent incredible. it to uh, Mike and Jim also. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, it is. yeah. and he got in that yeah. sucker and flew it too. <laughs> exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four yeah, engines. That's, uh, and I forgot how many I, I forgot what it said in the article. Uh, how many years it took them to build it, it was like twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Golly, and wonder what kind of engines it didn't, didn't say what kind of engines it had or did it? Maybe. Yeah, it, I, I think it did, Neil. It's, I don't know if you still have the video, but I believe it mentioned the engines in there. They weren't round, little small miniature radial engines, were they? No, I don't believe no, they were. No, appear to be. Oh. Probably, yeah, the, the uh, 
Rotan type of engine, I would imagine. They might yeah. have those Rotax mm-hmm. engines or Rotex, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Jim, your turn. What's going on with you? The hunting cabinet uh-huh. camp shut down. Isn't uh-huh. it? Uh, no, it, yeah, it has, but uh, we still go down there and mow and do stuff. But but I've had this motor home for about six years as a 1999 on a Ford 350 frame, and it had a 4,000-watt generator that had very little time on it when I bought it, less than 50 hours. But that was the most cantankerous thing I've ever had in my life. You don't know how many times I've had that <laughs> thing in the shop trying to get that generator where it would run. When it ran, it was so loud you couldn't. You couldn't talk within a hundred feet of it. That nobody could hear what you were saying. And, it wouldn't crunk. It wasn't a real crunk because it never hardly would run. And uh, I just got so exasperated. And a guy came to my hangar uh, about a month ago to look at a motorcycle that uh, Jeff, Jeff Carey's son, youngest son, has that won't run in my hangar. And he heard about that motorcycle and he came in. He won't look at it. Well, as soon as he saw my camper, he said, man, this is a beautiful camper. You know, it looks so clean and nice, and it does. I mean, it spent its entire life in a hangar or a garage somewhere. It was, went to California, I think, about seven or eight times, and that's all the first owner ever did with it. And, of course, when I had it, I had it in my hangar. So he said, I'd like to buy this thing. Do you want to sell it? And I said, well, yeah, I do. You know, I've had this thing five years. I'm tired of sleeping on a couch and lays out into a bed. I want a real real bed in my couch, in my hangar, I mean in my camper. And uh, we'll make a long story short, I sold the generator. I told him, I'm telling you, I'm selling you the generator. And if it happens to have a, a camper attached to it, you know, that's good for you. But I'm selling you this damn generator. And I had explained to him why I was doing that, you know, and he said, well, I don't care. I, you know, I can make it run all right. And I said, yeah, I bet. You're going to learn, man. So he did, and he bought it. Two days later, he showed up with a whole bunch of $100 bills. We spent about an hour counting them and make sure we had the right number. And uh, and then about uh, three weeks ago, I got a replacement. It's a little, uh, it's a trailer. I mean, it's a trailer, not an engine thing, but a little tech, tech, uh, tent bed, they call, on either end of it. And it's a 2017 model, so it's pretty new. And that's what I've been doing uh trying to get it ready for deer camp in October. So I think I still got enough time to get it ready to go, but it's clean as a whistle and I'm real proud of it, except it didn't have a battery disconnect. And I went down there to carry the other day in the hangar and the battery was dead. You know, with a little dick, the carbon monoxide <laughs> propane detector, you can't turn them off. And no. it doesn't have a battery disconnect. So uh, I bought one day before yesterday and me and Charlie Brown, uh, you may have met Charlie. He's come to some of my reaper stuff, but uh, he's a retired mechanic, uh, whatever it was, from General Motors. So he and I are going to install that battery disconnect switch tomorrow, hopefully. Well, that's about it. Just eating all three to carry pictures for me, and, and she's gotten where she likes Manhattans. I hate to say it, you know, but she's drinking <laughs> more Manhattans than I am. Knob <laughs> Creek. Knob hey, Creek. Smoke maker. That's right. George never hey, did yeah, ask you what what your favorite drink is, George. Uh, well, I, I really I don't have one, but uh, I don't know if you're interested or not. But I heard from Christine Negroni, yeah, day before yesterday, and she had just re- returned back from a trip 
across the country, and uh, she said it was she put I believe nine thousand miles on her RV. You might want to get her on the show, ask her about a trip because I know yeah. she was stuck for a while in Texas, you know, with that bad weather that was there. She must have zigged and zagged across the country <laughs> nine thousand miles to make it from West yeah, Coast well, to no, East they Coast. Went, they went down. The, the last time I heard from her. She was down in uh, your neck of the woods, down there in Jacksonville, uh-huh. with her husband. I guess he she, he met her part of the way back. But uh, I thought it might make for some uh, interesting conversation in the show. I'd love you know? to hear it. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. And I'm sure she got several stories along the way. Oh yeah. Do you remember yeah. the show we did uh, with Mary Bl- uh, Mary uh, Mary Block? I think it is her name, and uh, she took the uh, trip from Chicago to the Santa Monica Pier via Route 66. And yeah, I remember that. During, during our radio shows uh, each week, we would follow her as she stopped from place to place along Route 66 out west. And she called us during the convention of all the folks that they had collected with this group, Sisters, I forgot the name of it, of the group that she was with. And uh, it was only women were allowed, and they took their camper all the way across the country. And um, I told her, is there any way of joining that group? She said, no, afraid not. (laughs) It was all women. Wasn't there there a song about Route 66? Oh, yeah, Yeah, yeah. get your kicks on Route 66. I'll have to play that in Mm -hmm. a future song. (laughs) She must have had all 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 the Chippendales places picked out. Must have. And, and, you know, she wasn't from Chicago, but she drove her little camper. And if you recall, uh, Dorothy would take and put the pictures of uh, her taking pictures of her little Eastern Airlines camper. It was a a little Scotty camper. My dad used to own one, 16 foot. It was about a 1954, 55 uh, Scotty Camper, and it had little wings on that particular model, and uh, and she had uh, painted it like Eastern Airlines logo with a hockey stick, and put a slogan, uh, even put listen to the EAL radio show on the back. So <laughs> Mary did a great job, and and they did a book about it, and she sent me a a book, coffee table book too, uh, about their trip out west, and it was a beautiful thing that. Uh, that she did, and especially carrying Eastern across the country on the road, and um, that was a good story. Some somewhere along the line, I, I saw a picture of that. Maybe it was in the uh, the old EARA uh, uh, newspaper that we used to get. I, I, I do remember seeing a picture of that in black and white in one of the publications. Yeah, of that yeah, yeah. Well, it's somewhere on my uh, EAL radio show website, the pictures, because uh, yeah. we never take them out. We just keep adding to it. Our Dorothy did. I'm doing not too much with it right now. And uh, I do change from time to time the front page. But uh, but uh, I sure miss Dorothy. She, she was uh, my right hand yeah. and my left hand. <laughs> but what, uh, what, Why is she no longer doing it, Neil? Dorothy has uh, got to be out of a house there in the villages where she and Don live. Uh, uh, friends of theirs from Boca uh, had bought that house in the villages and 
had a contractor come back down to southeast Florida for a, a job that he had, and and uh, he had uh, committed for three years, and so the house became available, and they moved from Boynton Beach up to uh, the villages to stay in the house, and now the three years is up, and so she's uh, now looking and trying to figure out where they're going to live, and uh, probably maybe in the same area. Chuck Albright also lives in that area. But um, she and uh, her, her, she she had a violent reaction with COVID-19, uh, the second shot, and uh, she's got hives. So uh, if you've never had the hives, my wife had them one time, and golly, they're terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah and, I heard about uh, another person who got the same reaction. Yeah. Well, she's got them all over her body, and then uh, you're know, going to a dermatologist, I guess, to see if she can get some relief. But ain't no relieving it until it just decides to get off your body. And um, so, anyhow, and Don, Don's been kind of sick too, and but I think he's doing all right now. But at any rate, they're just kind of uh, chilling out until they get them their next uh, place where they're going to live. What were you, you going to speaking, say? You, you mentioned uh, Chuck uh, Albright. Uh, you been hear anything? What's going on with Chuck? Yeah, Chuck. Uh, I think Dorothy sent everybody Chuck's new email uh, address, and uh, I send him scripts and invite him to be on the show. And I haven't heard back from him. And I think he was having computer problems at his new dig. Digs where he is. I think he bought another house from where he was living with his um, ex-wife and she left him and uh, and so he's got a new place that um, he calls home it's very it's fairly close to where he was in the villages there so we hope to have yeah. him back one of these days always enjoyed having chuck on the show yep good guy okay guys i'm going to play the delta theme song and we're going to what leave the song? show the delta airlines theme song Oh my God, Neil! Don't don't get hit by a bolt of lightning now. <laughs> well, Remember, this well, this is, is the a different radio this, show. You know, this is before a you put that version. on, Neil. This before you put version. that on, I got something I'll play real quick for you here. Go ahead. Just listen to Go this. Ahead. How about a beer? Certainly. <laughs> Love it. Love it. You made it sound so real, too, Mike. (laughs) It probably was. It was. was It's a can opener. (laughs) Okay, very good. You can take over the show next next Monday (laughs) with sound effects. All right, here's here's the uh, Delta Airlines commercial. I believe that they use this. As, or maybe it was United. I take it back. I think it was United. No, I think it was Delta. Well, anyhow, Mr. Um, it was one of them. Glenn Campbell will tell us. Here we go, Glenn. It's all yours. When I was a kid, the first Western movie, the movie, period, they had a little theater in d Arkansas I saw was, was The Lone Ranger and Tonto. And what impressed me most was, and it just really knocked me out. And I, 
You know what? I said, oh, Lord, let me be able to play that one day. Because I was playing guitar at that age. And I learned to play it. I really did, man. Whether I make mistakes or not, you probably won't notice it anyway. It's a dadgum fast. But I'd like to do it in, uh, in uh, remembrance of Clayton Moore, my first Western hero, and Jay Silverhill. See, they were really something else. Kyle Silver, away! Get him up, Scout! United or Delta theme song. I was thinking of another one. <laughs> that was a William and Bell overture. Yeah, he did that tour after he had been diagnosed and was not doing well at all, but he could play that. His memory allowed him to play that. That's what his daughter right. said. And that was on live television, too. Or and, that and yeah, you, you, you could see his f- physical self going down in that uh, video, too, right. Jim. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. remarkable singer and an individual, and he was a great guy. Yep, definitely. Well, that's about all I got for you guys, and um, I hope you uh, hope you'll we'll see you guys Thursday. Got I think we got a good show Thursday evening at eight p.m. Eight p.m. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, Eastern Daylight Time. Eastern Daylight Time, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, with that, we're going to get Merle to sing us out of here. We'll see you next week. All right, either next week. Right. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Okay. Still.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.